Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you'll find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host that's in need of vocal rest like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's flexing his dad joke muscles tonight. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Gerald, I, I, I hope you just have a uh, a lozenge nearby. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's day number 11 straight of eating turkey or what it is, but uh, I think you need to, after you record this podcast, just, just take like three days off. You need to recover. Had your first football game cheering. You've had a lot of work. You've had Central Texas allergies brought back to the, the shameful state of Oklahoma. I mean, there's just, there's a lot going on. Just, you know, take like 72 hours. Don't talk to anybody. Zen, meditate, whatever you need. Have your own space. I need you, I need you at full strength coming back next week. I worry about you, buddy. You feeling all right? You know, part of my job is facilitation and talking. And so like, I do a podcast. I'm a sports fan. I've got three kids. My my voice is just, this is, this is just, maybe this is just where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. It's fine. Maybe this is just my existence and I don't necessarily love uh, that. It's not going to be, that's fine. I'm going to, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to talk on, uh, on Friday at all. Maybe Saturday, there's no Texas football to watch. So I can be less rowdy, but I uh, will be fine. It'll be okay. But we're not here to talk about my weird voice. We're here to talk about some weird awards and some weird things that happened this year. Kyle and I have nominated our awards. We've come up with obviously like MVP, most improved, stuff like that. But we've also got some random, dumb, funny awards because that's what we do. But we're going to recap the Texas season through our award show. We'll obviously have some burnt orange lenses. We'll walk you around all the relevant college football and NFL horns things. And then we'll close the show out with some Godzilla Tron, even though mine is super boring because I was on a road trip this last week. At the start of the year, most people predicted nine and three, eight and four, right? You and I, I think, went eight and four, maybe nine and three was the ceiling. Said if everything breaks right, Texas has a shot to do something special this year. Uh, and then two players broke in preseason. And uh, two key contributors, Isaiah Nayor and Junior Angulao, went down. Texas had some frustrating losses, some uh, frustrating wins, but overall, Texas hit that eight and four mark. I think the number, the Vegas number was eight, eight point five. So Texas was a little bit under that, which is fine. But from a macro level, after a five and seven year missing a bowl, Texas going eight and four, having an outside shot at a Big Twelve championship up until the last week of the year. Uh, from a macro level, it feels like a successful season and kind of a uh, a trend in the right direction for Texas. There's there's things to be frustrated about on the micro level, and we'll talk about some of those here real quick. But like from a macro level, when you, when you really step back and take in all of the things that happened this year, like yes, it's okay to be frustrated by those little things, but. This, to me, especially with the way that recruiting is trending and the things that we're seeing on the field, like I feel like Texas is moving in the right direction. I went back and, and looked at, listened to my, my season preview, and I said, after the injuries, I thought they would be 8-4. and four. Didn't give specific wins and losses. I think I even said I thought they would get OU, but it's not important. 8-4 um, and four with a Cheez-It Bowl. Friends and neighbors, they will be above the Cheez-It Bowl uh, this year, so I actually undersold in my prediction where Texas uh, would end up. I mean, 
think about how great that OU game was. We'll always have that to remember this year by. I hope we have lots of those. I hope that's a tradition where we beat them uh, by 49 points every year. But in case it's not, um, and some of the wins are more modest, uh, we'll always have that as an all-time Longhorn game. Um, think how close it was to, to breaking, right? It, it, I, I go back a lot to that Texas Tech overtime loss and and now that the season is over we can confirm it was bill Connolly's lowest win probability of the season out of 722 regular season games his model after the game was completed at the end gave tech a two percent win win probability i think it was one of only two games that were single digits this year so it was um an extreme extreme outlier right if you play that game 98 times or play that game 100 times, 98 of them would go Texas's way just, just from that model, right? That That's what that's saying. So um, it sucks that that's what is holding them out of the Big 12 championship. It, it's, it sucks that that's what's holding them out of, you know, some, some loftier goals. Um, you know, it's tough that you throw a defensive performance against a team like TCU who'd just been exploding against everyone, and um, you, 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 you know, can't have... The offensive adjustments, you can't get your passing game going enough when they run goal line defense all the way down the field to take away your run, um, that you that you're able to to give your defense enough to to call it a win, right? And so um that's that's tough when you look back on it, right? No one has given TCU a better game this year than than that one. Um Alabama, right? They they ended up going on to lose two, but you know, that absolutely could have been one of their two losses. I bet they would have won one of those other ones if Texas had already taking them a little bit maybe maybe not maybe they lose three but nonetheless that you know a couple calls go a different way a couple plays break a different way a field goal either way you know goes differently Uh, a holding call gets called a safety gets called Uh, you know young doesn't doesn't wake up and realize he's you know this elite athletic quarterback making these crazy you know sack avoiding plays but they did all those all those lucky or all the plays where the luck favored alabama did happen that those all happen um, and so Texas didn't win a couple games that it probably could have. Oklahoma State, tough. So there is still a lot of room for improvement. But again, we say that only after we found ways to win clunkers. We found ways to, to just dominate a couple different times and, and be that dominant force. That's why there's a little bit of frustration that the goals weren't a little bit higher. I think we all realistically pretty much consensus across Longhorn Twitter, those of us in the, 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 you know, I'll say mentally sane part of the bell curve, had us at eight to nine wins. <laughs> like, and here we are. We're, we're, we're sitting directly in that. So, macro, Gerald, to answer your question in the longest way that one possibly could, um, I think we're right on track. Let's win a bowl game. Let's make it nine wins. Take that momentum. If we have a fourth straight defensive performance after the three to close the year in the bowl game, that is something to write home about, then, man, I think you feel really good about your offense taking some steps forward, even though you have to replace some some key guys, and your defense being able to maintain the steps they took, even though you're replacing some key guys. And you, you come into next year with a lot of optimism. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I look at, like, the four losses for Texas, right, and this is probably going to be, and this might be controversial, but, like, TCU is a legit top four team. They've got a shot at a national championship, right? Alabama's Alabama. That one was winnable. But the two that really piss me off at this point are Tech and Oklahoma State because both those teams are butt cheeks. Like, Oklahoma State fell apart. Like, I, when I think about Oklahoma State, this is a really niche reference, but um, there was a, there was a I can't remember, 80s or 90s spoof 
spoof movie of black exploitation films called I'm Gonna Get You Suck Up. There's a scene where the the lead character um, takes his date back to the house and she continues to pull off um, prosthetic pieces and throw them at him. And that's what Oklahoma State has felt like over the last few weeks. It's like uh, they, they looked really good for a couple of games and then the pieces started falling off. Um, and it felt like the pieces fell off against Texas or maybe they held on for just like one game more. But Oklahoma State's cheeks. Texas Tech is a game that Texas should have won um, handily. Uh, really, Texas had all those opportunities and, and it is what it is. So like, but either one of those games, Texas turns and they're playing in Arlington this weekend, right? We're not we're not doing a season recap. We're doing a preview for Texas TCU Part Two. So like, again, from a five and seven year to like pissing and moaning about the the inches between Texas playing for a conference championship and getting a revenge matchup against TCU, um, it feels like progress to me. Now that obviously that's not the standard that we want to have at the University of Texas. You and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again: Texas volleyball or Texas rowing is who people or who Texas fans want Texas football to be. And I don't know if that's a fair expectation, but um, we want Texas to be in Arlington week in and week out, or I guess it'll be um, in a couple years that'll be Atlanta. Uh, year in and year out, but for me, I, I love. And you came up with this. Let's just be real about this. Uh, you you are the genius behind this. I, I love the the idea of going through and giving uh, awards on either side of the ball. And let's let's just let's get the easier ones out of the way. The offense. There are really just two names that I think we could probably nominate for MVP. And there's obviously B. John Robinson. Um, leading the nation in combined offense with 1,894 yards. That is combined rushing and receiving yardage. Uh, put his name on uh, the put his name at number four all time in a career in spite of playing seven fewer games than anybody else in the top five leads the conference in rushing by like a 200 yard margin is one of three players in school history to have two single seasons in the top 15 of all time. We, the, the number of superlatives you can lay on Bijan um, is obscene at this point, but like Bijan Robinson. Uh, and then the other one that, that I feel like has to be nominated is Kelvin Banks. The Texas offensive line is one of the stories of the year that people should be talking about more. But Kelvin Banks, true freshman, came in and looked like a grown man um, in 12 starts, allowed just two sacks and nine hurries. Um, Kyle, what do Will Anderson, uh, Felix Anudike Izoma, and Ty Tyree Phillips all have in common. There are two things. Um, one is a substantial amount of hype, and two is a uh, the same amount of career sacks against Kelvin Banks as you and I. They are all top two round NFL projected edge rushers that got blanked by a 19 year old. Like that is the context for that. Like that is absolutely insane. All three of those guys will be playing an edge rush on uh, Sundays. They will all be playing. Uh, I'll be drafted in probably the top 64 picks of an NFL draft. And Kelvin Banks just came out and made it look like light work. Uh, that's incredible. And a big reason why the Texas offense was able to do what it did uh, in some of those games was his performance. Yeah, I mean, it, success to some extent, right, for two different quarterbacks because their blind side was protected. A, two different running backs. We just talked about all that Bijan did, but Roshan also had himself a great year. Jonathan Brooks had a great year. Like The, the running game was, was good. And, and again, the constant ever present from week one snap one game one was Kelvin Banks uh, we were all like Bijan was a huge recruit it was a, it was a you know a happy Bijanica it was a national holiday when we landed him um, we all came in with crazy expectations he said oh he's a freshman hang on just 
Wait a little bit. He's got to be really good, guys. Give, give him a second to settle in. Austin, new plays, college football. It's, it's way, 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 way exponentially harder to do that at offensive line. Like, it's so much harder to do that at 18. Like, there is not a position in maybe sports, but certainly in, in football that it's harder to step in as an 18-year-old from the, man, I'm dominating high school kids who ain't, you know, a tenth of my talent level to now I'm playing NFL talent pass rushers who are going to be playing on Sundays in a span of a couple months, right? You don't magically become the body of a college lineman, right? You're, you're still 18. You're still <laughs> freshman. You're still, you're still young. It is the hardest position. You look at, you know, the, the, the top teams in the big 12, right? If you, if you look at the top, you know, teams in the country, the thing they have in common, uh, TCU, Michigan, Kansas State. Uh, you look at a lot of these teams that can run the ball and they do that to win games. They have seniors, couple ju- like third-year starter juniors. Like They have guys all across the board who are good, who took their lumps while they were young. They had tough years, but ah, they're freshmen. It's so wild what Kelvin Banks has done as a freshman. Like He is a top-five pick whenever he chooses to go to the pros. He's that good. Like, I don't know if we've had a Texas player in any sport be as good as advertised this quickly. Like, just unreal how good he was. I think he was the best freshman player in general, period, stop. Sorry, Harold Perkins. In the country, he was phenomenal. But, Gerald, all that is to say that this is Bichon's award. <laughs> like, I, I, I can say all the superlatives I want about Calvin Banks, but my God. We watched one of the coolest, most fun, most electric college football players who happens to be this incredible human being who does everything right, who you know led the team through some ups and downs and wobbles and you know committed for a different coach than he ended up playing for, but he played his heart out for him, did all the things that were asked of him, you know, excelled first ever Longhorn to have 1,500 yards and 300 receiving yards, excelled in multiple phases of the game, became a great pass blocker this season, um, just just does it all, did everything. When Texas won, it's when we leaned on him. When Texas lost, it was like, ah, we couldn't lean on it. We should have leaned on him more. Like, there was a common factor in Texas games this year. Did we get Bijan going? And if we did, we win. Like, that's it's simple. Bijan wins. And, and an all-time Longhorn, an all-time college football player, honestly, just... What a guy. Like, so happy to have cheered him on for three years. If this is the end of his long-run career, as we suggest it might be, I think, uh, to me at least, you, you tell me if I'm wrong, the MVP of not only the offense but this team is is our guy, Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I, I don't think there is uh, an argument for anybody on the offense. And we just had to give Kevin Banks his shine, right? Like, we could have made up – we have our all our, our, our dumb made-up awards, our dad joke awards at the end. We could have gone with, like, Young Pup Award or Puppy Love Award for a young kid. But, like um, – but uh, Bijan is Bijan, and it's going to be sad to see him go. Um, he still is, like, playing coy about, like, if he's going to go as a guy has a plan for me on campus. He's taking acting classes in the spring semester. But he, like, fired Smokey after the game, and that's generally, like, a last game thing. So, you know what? If he comes back, more power to him. But, like, kid, go get paid. Get to get, get to your second contract faster. Uh, just go do it. If you needed a Kelvin Banks award, we can still add one real quick. Um, we can call it the uh, how old is Reggie from Bad Boys 2 um, <laughs> scene with Martin Lawrence and Will Smith asking how old at Kelvin Banks is. At least 30. At least. 
30. Uh, I like that's a good one. But uh, the other one I wanted to go with is most improved. And this is another shot for me to get an offensive lineman an award because I am who I am and I'm not going to deny it. But uh, for me, the only person that really needed to be discussed for this award uh, in my mind is Christian Jones. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle. But um, last year, let's just be honest. Christian Jones was not good. He, he was not, he, he was a liability on the offense. They had him playing out of position at left tackle. He is not a left tackle. He is a right tackle. And it showed this year, Christian Jones, um, according to pro football focus, this is an absolutely insane stat. Um, take a guess at what his, uh, pass blocking grade was last year. Just ballpark it. Um, single digits feel too low, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm kidding. Obviously, I don't know, like in the six, 50, six, 50s, 50s. 48.3 was his pass blocking grade a year ago. This year, 74 and a half, 74.5. Wow. Massive, massive upgrade. A year ago, he gave up 23 pressures. That included three quarterback hits and 16 hurries. This year, he gave up three sacks, zero hits, and nine hurries. An improvement vast. Had uh, just five penalties on the year compared to eight a year ago. Like, the kid balled out in comparison. And again, part of the reason why the Texas offense was able to be somewhat successful this year, why Bijan and Rosham were able to do what they were able to do is, is because of the progress of Christian Jones. And I think we have to, a guy that you and I talked about was pressed into service way too early in his career could have benefited from a red shirt opportunity under um, Tom Herman and, and Herb hand, but because Herb hand refused to recruit other than his buddy's kids, Christian Jones was pressed into service too early, too often. And so now I think we saw, um, at least from my perspective, uh, Christian Jones living up to getting at least close to the billing that we expected from him uh, when he signed with Texas four years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried long and hard to think about a contrarian pick for this, right? Like, I, I don't really know who it would be. And it's kind of the way that Texas' team was set up. Either the returning guys were already really good. Um, Bijan, Roshan, uh, Whittington, you could say his most improved health, which we're so excited about. Keelan Robinson took a step up. Maybe he would be the other one just because of all the things, but he really did it more on special teams. And, and you know, he did, he did do it in offense, but he wasn't such a, a featured, featured consistently player in, in the offense. Uh, like I, Otherwise, you had freshmen along that line. You had, um, you know, newcomers. So I, And I don't think Worthy necessarily took that step up in, in such a way. So it, it's really Christian Jones's award and, and I don't think anyone is particularly close even if there were other players though who who played last year and, and made steps up I think Jones deserves special call out I mean you just remember last year being frustrated by two things our defense giving up dash running plays where they you know they they embarrassed us in that front and we, we cleaned that up and our offense just not being able to pass block for hard or for card uh, or, or, or Casey Thompson didn't matter who was back there they were you know, scrambling for your life, you better get out of your hands in three seconds or someone is legitimately sacking you from whatever team we're playing didn't matter. Um, so to look at a, a unit and, and some credit to, to Sark kind of using a lot of tight ends and Carrick as a sixth lineman a lot of times, they schemed for sure. But just in general, I mean, they were just a great pass blocking team without any caveats, you know, across the board. Um, and, and again, you talked about how good Kelvin Banks was. And now when you look at your other tackle, Christian Jones, when you can lock down the ends, like you just do so much, so much for your quarterback. If they get pressure up the middle, good on them, right? That's 
good on them. If they have a stun, if they have a blitz, they bring someone off the edge unblocked and gets past the running back, great. But when both your tackles are legit, I mean, good on you. And, and Christian Jones running through senior night with smiles all over his face, it was well-earned. I mean, just a, a guy who, who went from a, pl- a player who everyone hated to someone who was completely solid. When you don't have to call a lineman's name, he's doing something right, and that was Christian Jones this year. So moving on to the defense, Kyle. The defense, as we mentioned on on Tuesday, was the uh, highlight of the Texas team for the last several weeks, and we haven't been able to say that very often. So, Kyle, we have some some options here. Uh, DeMarvin Overshone, the arm bandit himself, 96 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, four sacks, five passes broken up. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jalen Ford, ranks second overall in tackles in the conference, 10th tackles for loss, second in interceptions and leads in fumble recoveries and forced fumble. Six straight games forcing a turnover. There's, I, I, we'll, we'll just pause on the superlative for him <laughs> and come back to it. To not tip our hand too much. John A. Barron, who came on this year, like, come on, big man. 68 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, a sack, two picks, a fumble, recovery, and two defensive touchdowns. Tavondre Sweat, big T Sweat himself, who seems like he's coming back next year. 29 total tackles, 21 pressures, uh, four batted balls. And then Baron Sorrell, the three star sophomore. Like, I love seeing this kid. He and Jalen Ford were having some back and forth about being three stars over the weekend, and I just loved it. Um, six of the conference in sacks with five and a half leads the team. Um, it feels like Texas didn't have five sacks all year last year, so uh, it's good to feel that 41 tackles, nine for a loss. There's a lot to choose from, Kyle, on the defensive side of the ball because, again, the Texas defense was the story for a lot. Yeah, uh, Sorrell was was good all year but great in the second half. Devondre Sweat, I think, did a lot, but you just saw two big bodies in the middle, and they, they had so many good linemen they rotated him out and so his his stats don't jump off quite as much though again 21 pressures 18 quarterback hits is phenomenal those those are two great linemen you could probably throw Coburn Ojimo in there as as candidates as well they both played you know very well Johnny Barron I think was a two-time defensive player of the week in the Big 12 both times he had the defensive touchdowns I think he got defensive player of the week at least co uh, at least one for sure um, which is phenomenal quite a year the, the thing that was crazy for him 98 return yards on his two defensive touchdowns that put him eighth on the team in non-quarterback yards eighth many as five wide receivers you could play a lot of running backs you know eighth he's eighth on the team um, doesn't kick return doesn't punt return eighth in scoring um, kind of crazy but uh, good for him we needed him to um, you know the, I think a great step up that we all hoped would happen and, and um, really incredible. And then both linebackers, but you hinted at it, Gerald, this is Jalen Ford's award. Like we talked about going into the bowl game as we end the season, regular season, six straight games, creating a turnover, two of those kind of game ceiling, the Iowa state interception in the end zone, uh, the Kansas state, you know, fumble as time expired to actually kill out the clock. We're game winners. All of them were game changers. They scored after all four of his interceptions, they immediately scored a touchdown, right? He's the only linebacker in FBS with four interceptions. The only player in FBS with four interceptions, three forced fumbles and two recoveries. The only P5 player with four interceptions and three fumbles, force. He tied that UT record uh, of a linebacker who, who you think is pretty good, one of your favorite players of all time, Derek Johnson, with four uh, interceptions. If you're in, him, in company with him, you're doing something right. Um, but Jalen Ford, 
is our defensive MVP. And again, Bijan's offense and he's defense. I don't, I, I you know, it's a tough call on who's our MVP of MVPs. I, I like both these dudes a lot. One of them was the most heralded, you know, five star of his year. The other, you know, like the 12th, 100th, 1300th rank recruit who kind of slipped in unnoticed, nothing too flashy, just a guy joined the class and just balled the, the heck out, right? Not starting at the beginning of last year, coming on strong late, having zero tackles in week one this year and still having all these superlatives. Just, I mean, an incredible, incredible season. Uh, an NFL linebacker, he hits like a Mack truck. I mean, that's the thing about him. He chases down, he plays hard, he gets himself in right positions. He, you know, overcompensates. He's not like a, the nat- most natural pass defender, but he plays his butt off to get in position for interceptions to, to, to make the plays. But he just, when he hits people, I haven't quite seen it from a Texas linebacker in a, in a decade. Like, it just looks like when he falls on you, it's it, it, it's like a tree falling on you. You're going to go down. There's so much force and, and, and fury when he hits people. Even if someone else is, is tackling, you, you feel it. It sounds different. It looks different when they hit the ground when it's Jalen Ford. I mean, he is, without a doubt, an NFL linebacker through and through who, you know, whichever year he decides to go pro, he will be uh, picked up and, 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 and make his name on a team for, for a long time. I mean, you and I, you and I called it last year towards the end of the year where he started to come on a little bit that Jalen Ford has some dog in him that he had a little bit, um, that in Oklahoma state for weirdly, like two Oklahoma state fans took issue with that. Cause I think it was the Oklahoma state fan, uh, but they took issue issue with it with poor grammar. So I decided to roast them on that uh, instead of their bad football opinions. But like when you talk about development for players, like this is what you talk about, right? Like number 1200 in the 1221, I think was the exact number uh, comes in late offer from Texas, late flip from the staff as they came in. And like, he's turned into this in, in three years, right? Like you can sell this to anybody um, on the recruiting trail. You can sell this to anybody in the transfer portal, come here and, we will make you great, right? Um, and and we talked about Demo and Marvin Overshone a little bit. Like any of these tweener safeties that are too big to play safety, like just eat your way down to linebacker and be good at it. Like do what Demo did, just do it. The cough, cough. Somebody who's not playing for the team you transfer for. Anywho, so most improved player on the defensive side of the ball, obviously Jalen Ford is one that we do have to mention here, but we can't give him both MVP and uh, most improved. That would be cheating. Plus Kyle. I got to get my man snacks in here. Keandre Coburn, I think, is a hands down, at least for me, the most improved player on the defense. Really not for anything that uh, he did on the field, obviously, but like the way that he carried himself coming back and playing like a leader on this defense and setting the tone in the middle um, and doing what he did, allowing the linebackers to do what they did is massive. Coburn was a guy we loved as a recruit. He started talking smack to Baker Mayfield, like as a from as a Jump Street, baby. You have to love him, and we wanted him to be successful. And he continued to be one of the best interviews on the team. He was gracious with his time. He was funny. He, you know, everyone loved him. Like he had all the things going. You just then it would come Saturdays, and he was he was okay, and he was a big guy, and so you know he just there to eat up space, and you know he'll, he'll probably find a position on an NFL team because he's because of his size. To absolutely flipped it on his head his senior year to this is a player who is getting drafted in the top three rounds, right? You can, I've seen mock drafts that had him in the end of the first round. Like, he's probably a round two guy. Like, that's an incredible improvement. Yeah, a lot of that is still his size, but it was his motor this year. It was his ability to make plays. It was his pressures. It was his, you know, they had a good line. Like we said, they could rotate him out. If he knew he got 30 plays uh, a game because of that, he was making the most of those. And you felt him. You felt him on fourth downs 
busting through the line and making tackles for loss. You felt him chasing quarterbacks. You felt him getting paws on balls. That Kansas State, you know, win. Again, we talked about Jalen Ford getting the fumble recovery. It was only Keandre Coburn getting his hands on a, a slippery little Adrian Martinez um, and knocking that ball loose that finally killed that that woeful second half and that, that game to get Texas the win. I mean, Coburn made plays this year, made signature key plays. And again, for a nose tackle and a guy his size, sometimes, especially in PK's defense, you're you're more used as the focal point to eat up blockers and let Jalen Ford and guys like that go crazy, to let DeMarvian Overshin and Baron Sorrell blitz off the edge, to let Ryan Watts come on a corner blitz. Like you are, you're taking attention and soaking it up and, and clogging up the middle. But no, both he and Sweat, but I mean, really, especially Coburn, made themselves immense, made themselves uh, something you had to game plan around, not just because they're big, but because Coburn specifically was was big and motivated and efficient and successful and just a great year for you know an all time great Longhorn who we we love would have loved no matter what just because he's a great personality, but uh, a way to go out as a senior with with uh, you know fans remembering him in the most positive light. And I think we talked a lot about him in the run game, but like his development as a game changer against the pass and as a pass rusher um, is honestly was more marked. He graded out by pro football focus a year ago at a 59.2 this year as a pass rusher. He graded out as an 80.2, a 31 point improvement on his grade. But the stat that really jumped out to me as I looked at like who really stepped it up and and upped their game. uh, When you talk about pass rushing and the differentiator, Kyle, this year he had 28 total pressures that includes four sacks two hits and a hurry in the previous three seasons how many total pressures did Keandre Coburn have I mean I don't think it's more than five a year like legitimately it's probably like 15 okay 20, so 20 you underestimated him just a little um he had 28 total pressures in his first three seasons and had just no. over nine a year, um, but that's floated by 16 as a freshman. Kyle Abysmal last year had just three as a Oof, That's uh, the stat I saw, three last junior. year. Oof, right, Oof. like Snacks made himself some money. He played it like a contract year, uh, and it really turned out to be big for him. Uh, and it was the fewest snaps he had to play uh, uh, since his first year where he only had like 20 snaps, right? Since becoming a key contributor, uh, fewest snaps he's had to play, which is just absolutely incredible. So let's get to our silly awards, Kyle. The ones we're going to make dad jokes with. These are just our way of finding ways to reward other guys on the team that didn't fit into these other categories. So Kyle, why don't you kick us off with your first award? All right, Gerald. So I'm going to borrow one from from friend and and uh, former Barking Carnival uh, co-editor with me and uh, quasi mentor. Yeah, he, he would never say that. Scipio uh, Tex. He used to have an award on Barking Carnival called the Gas Camp Award. And if you're a younger fan, you're like, that's a weird word. Gas light, gas lamp. What are you saying? No, Russell Gas Camp was a player who you know. Is the, the nom de plume, the, the, the originator of this award. Um, he was a, a highly recruited offensive line prospect in the 90s, right? He came in mid-95, let's say, somewhere in there. Um, maybe, maybe earlier, actually, because he was a fifth-year senior in 1998. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the dude lived up to the hype, got great, played well, won the starting center job on a team where Ricky ran off his cheek to a Heisman. 
Um, so it went from basically the like, you know, everyone basically talking about, oh, that, he's a bust, he's nothing to like, I always knew he'd break out. I always knew that, right? Like that, that guy who, who, who flips the, uh, the, the switch a bit. I think Maurice Gordon won it in 2001. Similarly, Nate Jones in 07, Henry Melton, 08. Um, uh, oh man, the, the receiver who like 2012, 13 came out of nowhere. See, uh, Harris, um, his, his senior year. Um, so like, the, you know, it's a guy who just comes out of nowhere, right? Unlikely big contributor. I, I like Machete as a nominee for this one because Danny Trejo literally came out of nowhere. It was like the week before the season and he's like, yeah, I'm here. Oh yeah. I'm also the starter. And he, he came up big in some big games, but you know, I like the spirit of this award as a guy who's been around a little longer. Christian Jones, um, would be the, I went back and forth. Is it Christian Jones? Um, because you know, he, he wasn't as big of a recruit, he didn't really do anything, and then when he did, he was he was actually bad. But I am going to give this. I'm going to bend the spirit of this award to Keandre Coburn, and we just talked about it with our most improved. I'm going to also give him the Gas Camp Award because as a senior, he showed everyone what we thought he was as a big, big-time recruit, one of the biggest kind of defensive tackle recruits uh, that Texas has, has, has gotten out of the state of Texas in, in a while. Um, he was a five-star kid with all the, you know, all the hype, and, and it took – legitimately all four years to get there but we finally saw it all come together as we just talked about in our last award so he's also the gas camp award winner much deserved for a, a unlikely big contributor and an unlikely big man so my first uh award is the samwise gamgee award and and those of you that know lord of the rings uh might know what's coming you followed us on twitter for long enough you've probably seen it Samwise was a guy who was always willing to make the team play, was always a guy that was willing to lay down what he wanted and help the team win. And even at the end, when things look bleak and and the the quest was going to fail, he literally picked up the team and put them on his back and carried them to the top of the mountain so they could throw the ring into Mount Doom and survive. And that man who always makes the team play, who literally carried the team to victory on many occasions, the heart and freaking soul of the group is Roshan Johnson. The Samwise Gamgee Award, the inaugural Samwise Gamgee, goes to Roshan Johnson, a guy who came in as a higher-rated quarterback recruit than Max Duggan, who's probably going to go to New York for a Heisman Trophy, uh, saw a team in need of running backs and said, Coach, put me in and now four years later uh it's like number 15 all time in the team rushing um has an opportunity to make an nfl roster uh, as a running back is combined with Bijan to have the second best or one of the best running back duo uh performances in school history uh, back with ricky williams and sean mitchell uh like the guy deserves all of the credit. Um, he heart and soul of the team. There's a video of him like getting onto the players on the sideline, just leading, like leaning into his role as an elder statesman. Like the guy put the team on his back, the heart and freaking soul of it. It couldn't have happened without him. And I loved him getting the wildcat snaps at the end of the game, the hurdle into the end zone, one final touchdown at DKR. Like, um, I and this is like I'm an emotional person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I cried three times during that game, holding my son while Derek Johnson talked on the pregame uh, jumbotron, thinking about how Derek Johnson is why I am at the University of Texas. The Bijan chant and Roshan scoring his final touchdown, like those to me were like the, sports are beautiful, and that's what it's about. Like Roshan deserves all of the flowers in the world, man. 
I can't believe Roshan only threw two passes in his career. Uh, one as a freshman in 2019, uh, one as a Wildcat in, in 2021. It, like, I kept waiting for that big Roshan trick play 50-yarder, and maybe Still because we were game. all waiting. Yeah, yeah, come on, give it to him. Please, Sark. Please make it happen. But I, I, people need to realize, like, you mentioned Max Duggan, right? I think the only guys ahead of him, Bo Nix, Who's who's lived up to his potential now in Oregon? Jaden Daniels, if you've heard that name. Sam Howell is now in the NFL after his great years in North Carolina under Mac. I mean, he's a guy who had four hundred thousand, or excuse me, wow, that'd be a lot of yards, four thousand total yards and fifty touchdowns as a senior in high school. Like, he was a baller. He was he was an absolute alpha male at the alpha male position, and yet when Texas had kind of the injury glut, he stepped back and said, "No, I don't need to wait my turn to become." you know, a, 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 a quarterback, uh, you know, the guy who gets all the press. I'll, I'll give me a running back, whatever. He had 800 yards from scrimmage, eight touchdowns as a freshman playing in a new position in a major program. He, he, he balled out. And when then a generational talent comes in, you say, okay, we get why this kid who came as a quarterback switched to running back for the team, but now they signed Bijan. Like, he's, he's gone. He's going to leave. Time and time again, he proved that that's not who he is. You know, when it was – Four and seven last year. Like we think five and seven's bad. It was four and seven going to that Kansas State game. No Bijan. Roshan won that game single handedly to close the year out with pride, trying to get to a fifth win. Like the only reason we say we built from five wins is because Roshan got us that fifth himself. Like the dude is a legitimate Longhorn legend. He needs to be remembered as such. He is everything you ever want in a football player, every bit of inspiration and, and will truly always be one of my favorite players. I'm I'm so glad we got to watch and cover all right gerald i will take it with my uh my my next one and, and this is this is close to us because we both shared high school employment at uh, texas largest most spectacular underground attraction natural bridge caverns um and and one of the things if you've ever been to the cave uh you know whether it's in english or in spanish the no touching or no tocar award um you are not uh to touch the formations um, at Natural Bridge Caverns, it's a living cave. The stalagmites, stalactites are uh, growing each year, um, and so you can't touch them. They, they, they wither and, and, and discolor and, and die if you touch them from the oils in your skin. And so similarly, the, the no-touching award, I give to one of the most phenomenal and flawless performances I saw all season, and that was Texas opponents' offensive lines, who were only somehow called for two holding penalties all year just absolutely incredible just amazing that the discipline that was showed teams that you know would get four or five penalties a game heading into texas would somehow get zero um no holdings you know jared wiley even walking off to the sideline laughing about when he got um not called for a holding before a touchdown the very next play um you know like uh, just incredible incredible that two holding penalties were called the entire season against the Texas Longhorns. It's wild to me. Like I penalties are penalties. Like I'm a firm believer. Don't put yourself in a position to let the refs decide the game. But like the crew on the Oklahoma state game and the crew on the, the uh, Baylor game um, being iffy is just a little bit too iffy uh, for me. So um, in 1929, Dame Agatha Christie put out 
a book, a, a mystery book. If you don't know who Agatha Christie is, she's one of the, the most famous uh, mystery novel novelists in in all of all of time. Uh, but she put out the Seven Dials mystery in 1929, and it's one of the first times that the phrase "It's rotten work, but somebody has to do it" <laughs> was uttered. Um, and so the Agatha Christie award goes to none other than Jordan Whittington. Um, Jordan Whittington was the guy to do the dirty work this year for Texas. If you needed a gritty third down, it was Jordan Whittington. If you needed a wide receiver to put a, a corner on his back uh, and spring a running back, it was Jordan Whittington. If you needed a guy to just mix it up and get nasty, Jordan Whittington. Doing the rotten work, somebody's got to do it, and I'm glad it was Jay Witt. A lot of people immediately think when you're when you're you know putting together your flag football team of, of writers that you go Hemingway to block, um, but no Agatha Christie known like she'll she'll block you up high she'll take your knees out um, just a nasty nasty so no I I love that award I think Jordan Whittington man what a career he could have had so glad he was able to stay healthy and finish a year and, and when we saw him as a Quero gobbler as a do everything high school player two way superstar. I think we, we thought one thing of his career injuries obviously robbed some of that, but I don't know that you or I, and maybe maybe you, you had more of a vision of me, which saw him as maybe the most tenacious blocker in the country. Um, probably, you know, blocks as good or better than our tight ends. You know, just a, a player who some of those gaudy numbers spring, you know, plays for Worthy, for Bijan, for Roshan, for Keelan, were, were because they came directly behind, you know, 10-second blocks, blocks that were finished to the ground, blocks that knocked dudes out of the out of bounds from Jordan Whittington like he wasn't just a good edge blocker he was a monster out there and I, I'm, I'm so glad you you came up uh for an award award for him that was well deserved all right Gerald and I'm gonna put the uh I'm gonna put the no monkeying around award um I have uh <laughs> two two kind of nominees here for guys who just just do their thing. One of these is, is Keelan Robinson. I love his his burst of speed. We saw it the past couple games. We saw it multiple times this year. Um, when he, when he gets a yard, he just he just goes. He just like Sonic when you've rolled him up uh, before he releases. That's that's what Keelan Robinson feels like when he gets that that yard or two of space. He just goes fast and hard. And and sometimes he, he runs right by guys. Sometimes he runs right through guys. He just he he runs hard and downhill and fast. He does that when he's blocking punts. He does it when he's returning, you know, kicks. He's he's just no monkeying around um, there. And then the the other is Jeff Banks. Um, and this award goes to Jeff Banks um, for the no monkeying around award because he really just didn't monkey around on special teams. He he got it done. Sark talked about the two areas of this team where he didn't, you know, expect them to be as good as they were this season. It was the offensive line play with the young guys and all of the special teams, especially the kicking game. The kicking, you bring Burt Auburn in out of nowhere, and he's great, only going to get better um, as a true freshman. Just jump in with punting. You have some, some handling issues with our, our guy, Isaac Pearson, and they bring this, you know, walk on out of nowhere machete in and get the most out of his, you know, leg that they possibly could. They cover incredibly well. Like, they just, they won games or kept themselves in games because of special teams multiple times. Just looked every bit you know, worth all the money as a great recruiter and, and a fantastic coach as well, right? And also worked with the tight ends. And we saw Jatavian Sanders take a massive uh, step up there. And we saw, uh, you know, Gunnar Helm get some catches, make some good plays. You saw Andre Carrick 
mainly at, at offensive tackle times too. You know, out, out Tight the end second ish. tackle. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's under Banks's purview. So um, I will I will give the no monkeying around award for no other reason that he was all business, and that's the only reason this award is named that the no monkeying around uh, award to Jeff Banks. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's a great segue into our final uh, made up ridiculous award. So uh, as you all know, I'm a nerd. If you didn't get that by the Samwise Gamgee Award, I'm a massive nerd. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is a, is a frequent watch of the Goodrich household. My son is obsessed, uh, but it's also just a really good movie. And um, when Miles gets bitten by the spider, he, he wakes up and has seemingly grown several inches and his hands um, now do what spiders do. Um, and he tries to write it off as just a puberty thing, but really he's coming Coming into his powers and coming into the uh, superhero that he is meant to be. And so my Into the Spider-Verse Just a Puberty Thing award goes to JT Sanders, who really came into his powers this year. The five-star looked like a five-star, um, has an opportunity to uh, etch his name in the record books, has already done so in several ways, but has some more work he could do in the bowl game. Uh, alongside Jermichael Finley, who's very clearly um, the best receiving tight end that Texas has ever seen and JT Sanders has another game and then another per potentially 13 uh, to 14 games next year uh, to rewrite the tight end record book so uh, the just the puberty thing award goes to JT Sanders yeah what a like the way that he played as a freshman to just soak it all in bide his time as a five star he could have been in that transfer portal but he took his time and you saw the breakout was worth it um, 49 catches 577 yards five touchdowns you know the crazy thing is is there's so many plays where we think there's more meat on the bone just this last week there was probably a touchdown that was was overthrown by Ewers just slightly that off his hands he had the TCU game with a lot of you know uncharacteristic drops in that first half he made up for it in the second half but plays that you just expect him to make um, Alabama plays where a guy's held not one but both of his arms down and expecting him to jump up and catch it with his teeth in the end zone um, you know I think the Quinn Ewers injured play against Alabama was supposed to be a kind of delayed naked boot throwback tight end screen middle um, that I don't know why they ran that it took 20 seconds but he was wide open uh, it would have been another touchdown like they easily could have been a 55 uh, 600 yard seven touchdown season which again makes those records uh, next year even, even closer I really think next year he's going to be such a featured part of the offense in the short passing game uh, that will help supplement the run game as well as his ability to get downfield in the seams and kind of be uh, you know a medium to deep target uh, along with whoever's on the outside there that, that I, I think this year's only a start and he's only going to get better so that's it almost an hour worth of silly awards but we're <laughs> glad we brought them to you it was fun uh, we'll obviously be back with a with a bowl recap a bowl preview and a bowl recap whenever that happens but the regular season is over for the Texas Longhorns alright let's quickly whip around uh, the, the world with some burnt orange lens and start with around the nation some college football Big 12 this week was an interesting one to close on uh, Tech beats OU in overtime Tell me, stop me if you've heard that one before the first time Texas Tech has ever beaten both UT and OU in the same season. West Virginia beat Oklahoma State. Um, extend Neil Brown. Uh, just just an interesting one. TCU answered some questions, I think, with 62 <laughs> points against a good Iowa State defense. And then the, the team that we were all, as a nation collectively and as a Longhorn nation, uh, through burnt orange lenses, uh, willing on uh, Kansas fell. 27 to 47 to Kansas State. Uh, there were some Kansas fans complaining about not getting the calls. They knew that, that they were, you know, having Longhorn fans cheer them on because you don't get calls if you're a Longhorn. But Gerald, which of these Big 12 games stood out the most to you? 
I don't like good things happening to Texas Tech, but I like bad things happening to OU. So that was conflicting for me. Yeah. Uh, real conflicting. Um, I mean, honestly, I like because there are TCU people that I that I truly appreciate and adore. Like seeing TCU finally like answering the questions. Like they needed to do this against an inferior team um, to make the case for for their to really like silence all of the doubters i think uh, on the national stage so i think that's the one that probably jumps out to me the most yeah some some colorado fans um remember having to play a texas team uh that was wanting to make a statement at the end of the year so uh sorry iowa state uh, not really um sec the egg bowl was a weird one man the egg bowl's always weird i i, I texted uh, some friends, and I think I texted you this, Gerald, in, in, during the middle of the game, that the Egg Bowl in like our adult lifetime has been a better watch than the uh, the game, the Michigan-Ohio State game. But this one was equally as, as weird and jaunty and odd and, and crazy. Didn't have a player simulating a dog urinating um, and that being why they lost the game, but did have some weird stuff going on for Lane Kiffin to lose this one to Mike Leach, two of the more entertaining personalities 24 22 mississippi state getting I, I think the upset win there uh, mizzou beat arkansas to get bowl eligible i was really pulling for vanderbilt uh to somehow beat tennessee so a&m would be the only sec team not bowl eligible but uh mizzou did get bowl eligible arkansas really weird year up and down and then you get a certain amount of points i guess gerald and aggie saved them all up for the last game jimbo decidedly showed his philosophy works. He scored 38 points against a, uh, you know, nearly playoff LSU team. I, 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 I mean, am I crazy to say extend him five more years? I mean, it depends on this offensive coordinator hire. I think if he gets it right and gets somebody that's really just going to let Jimbo do what Jimbo does, then yeah, extend him another five, six, seven years. There was a, a text from, from Coach Zajac that basically said that win may have set back uh, A&M a, a decade um, when Jimbo, he sent a tweet where Jimbo said uh there's nothing wrong with what we're doing <laughs> so i love the doubling down ah, bless it bless it if that ends up just destroying them for the next couple of years that will be great a couple relevant games uh speaking of the aggies app state finished six and six meaning they'll um get a a bowl they'll be bowl eligible um specifically because they beat a&m miami somehow not bowl eligible if they could have just beat a&m um they, they would have gone but nope they're five and seven so a&m's Second best win of the season, of course, Miami, a top 10 team, as we all scoffed at, uh, finished 5-7, and seven, will be joining Aggie at home. Um, and then, of course, the Arkansas win, Arkansas 6-6. Six and six. They are bowl-bound, so those are, those are the, the, the ranked wins for A&M, LOL. Uh, Mac, man, falls to 9-3 with a weird one, NC State 30, UNC 27. Um, Nebraska got a fourth win for Casey Thompson over Iowa. I thought they were going to have a better season than Texas, some people said. Anyways. Uh, Michigan did the thing. They knocked off uh, Ohio State out of the playoff, 45 to 23. I, I just don't like Ohio State fans. And so um, I, I do kind of find myself rooting for Michigan, which feels dirty every year in this game, but it is what it is. Uh, USC probably got in the playoffs. Probably got Caleb Williams, the Heisman, with a 38 27 over Notre Dame. South Carolina beat Clemson, which is just, just hilarious. Uh, I mentioned it uh, on the, the previous show with your Hugh Freeze talk. He lost this one his last game at, at Liberty, um, 40, 49 to fourteen against New Mexico, New Mexico State, who had a game canceled. So they're five and six. They are bowl eligible. Give it to them. Um, Major Applewhite improved at ten and two 
South Alabama. And we predicted it after the game. UTSA would probably not lose another one after UT, and they did not. They went undefeated after the UT game. Good team. Good win for UT. All right, Joe, let's take a look at the NFL horns. Um, out of the list of some impressive performances, who stood out the most to you? Man, it's, I mean, Deontay Foreman probably is the, is the right answer here. 24 carries, 113 yards, again, proving that Christian McCaffrey was the problem. Christian McCaffrey and Matt Rule combined to be the problem uh, in Carolina. Uh, but give me an opportunity to say the name that we all love to hear. I like it. I like that. Um, I feel like if Justin Tucker does... Uh, make the 67 yarder and goes five <laughs> for five uh we probably have to give it to him he did it a, a just a, a paltry 55 yarder but they they just the confidence to set up for a 67 yard game winner which is something he's done before justin tucker is crazy it was just ho-hum jordan hicks nine tackles one sack oh i gotta give it to our guy quandary the the giant six tackles two interceptions um i think he's my longhorn of the week could also go with puna but you didn't I could have. I could have. He, he, had, he had himself a week. He's had himself a year. He's had himself a career. We're happy for Puna. Baseball has a really interesting uh, award, and I say baseball. Former UT baseball player Ivan Melendez was named a finalist for the 92nd annual AAU Sullivan Award, one of five finalists for the award that basically honors the top amateur athlete in the country. He joins Jocelyn Allo, who's an absolute monster, uh, home run equivalent on the softball side for OU. Jordan Burroughs with USA Wrestling, Carissa Moore, USA Surfing, and Bryce Young, Alabama football and former you know, reigning Heisman uh, winner as finalists down to the final five for this award. Just for reference, last year, Simone Biles and Caleb Dressel, Olympi- Olympians, were crowned co-winners. That's a group to be considered among, like... Jocelyn Allo is arguably the best softball player to ever softball, like top five-ish, right? Uh, Jordan Burroughs, one of the best wrestlers to ever wrestle. Uh, Carissa Moore, Olympian, Bryce Young, Heisman winner, like Simone Biles. Like, it, the the um, the company he keeps, you can judge someone by the company they keep, and that's pretty elite company from somebody who like led the nation in basically every major statistical the average that matters and reset the the baseline for what's achievable in the bb core kind of era right when they changed the bats he was hitting home runs like no player has ever done truly a season that that may not be duplicated for a long long time so he deserves to be up there um someone who deserves to be there donna lopiano is among the inductees for the women's basketball hall of fame 2023 class he's the former texas director for women's athletics from 75 to 92 during that time just won uh 18 national championships across six different sports uh on the women's side which is no big deal including the we've said it once we said it before 85-86 ncaa championship team the first ever undefeated uh women's team that went 34 and zero in women's basketball um after she left ut 92 to uh 2007 served as the chief executive officer of the women's sports foundation uh fox sports neighbor one of the 10 most powerful women in sports just a true longhorn legend and a very deserved honor we we love all sports uh men's women's uh whatever we do in the burnt orange and she's certainly uh, a legend on the women's side at the 40 acres much deserved right um texas women's athletics where it is now owes a great debt to what donna lopiano did during her what 
25 years, basically, uh, at the helm for Texas. They won 18 national championships at that point, followed by Chris Plonsky, who kind of built on that legacy, right? Like, those two really, like, established what Texas women's athletics is going to be um, and, and really why Texas athletics is what it is now. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, we talk about all those national titles we've won. It's those uh, two women who have a large um, role to play in, and I'm sure Plonsky will win her plaudits. Um in her time as well, but uh, huge, huge honor for Donna. Um, just a reminder for everyone, uh, the some national title defenses start uh, this week. Texas Track will open their indoor season on 12-3, hoping in a Saturday, t- uh, to defend the men's title and their runner-up, maybe even improve their runner-up uh, title on the women's side from last year where they just dominated indoor track. It'll be a little bit of a break after that. Uh, January 13th will be their next one, and then they'll basically go weekly from there until uh, the Indoor Nationals in March. So hoping to uh, keep them Director's Cup points. It all starts this week. Let's get that third straight. Come for you, Stanford. Um, speaking of track, Rasadat Adeleke was named Ireland's U23 Athlete of the Year. She's phenomenal. Um, she's done you know a lot while at UT, of course, the O2, the 20, last year's um, Big 12 Outdoor Champion and the 4x1, the USTFCCA Indoor, first team All-American in the 60-meter, 200-meter, in the 4x4, also was an academic All-Big 12 team last year, no big deal, but also for Ireland, she broke the Irish national record in the 4x4, putting a tasty 49-49 split, like one of the fastest in the world last year, as a 19-year-old, she also finished well in the European Championships, again, as a 19-year-old, she's a monster who the Irish like love her. She is a they they don't understand track. You know they they don't have the history that some nations do in track and field. Uh, but she has quickly become a national hero and is their U twenty three athlete of the year. Oh, and she's back for uh, Texas track this year. No big deal. One of the fastest women in the world. That's right. We'll be running. For Coach Flo. She did thank in her speech, she specifically thanked Coach Flo. Apparently, the European Championship, she decided 11th hour that she was going to compete, and he just flew like on the, the red eye from Austin to Berlin or Munich, I think, um, to cheer her on. And like she credited him for her great performance. So, if you're going to run track, might as well do it at Texas for a coach like Coach Flo. Gerald, let's wrap this bad boy up with a bit of Godzilla charm. What did you watch on your giant screen? Uh, so like I said, I, I had a bunch of work travel this week, and uh, I was on a road trip back from uh, San Antonio visiting the folks. But I did polish off book two of the Mistborn series, The Well of Ascension. Uh, it was good. It's very much a middle book of a tri- of a planned trilogy when you read it. Uh, so it's setting up a lot of stuff for book three. Uh, had some really good moments, had some really sad moments. Um, you could kind of see the twist coming uh, a little bit. Um, not exactly how it played out, but you could see that there was a twist coming at the end, which is usually what happens in book twos, which is fine. I enjoyed it. Good. Uh, I'm already into book three, the hero of ages, and it's uh, already, I think, capturing my attention quicker than the second one did. So I hope that continues. And then my wife and I have continued our, what we do in the shadows uh, rewatch. And um, the episode where uh, Nandor decides he no longer wants to be a vampire and joins the vampire cult, the, the non-vampire ex-vampire <laughs> cult. Um <laughs> 
I nearly woke up my children laughing so hard at that episode. Um, or like the episode where the sire breaks out. That's another one that's absolutely incredible. Um, we watched those two last night, and I absolutely like nearly lost my mind. So good. It's so great. One of the saddest like TV moments for me because I, you know, I binged it all just recently before you had never watched it before. I didn't exactly know how many I had left, and I hit the last one and was like waiting for the next one to come. And it just played the entire credits and there was nothing. And I was like, oh, no, it's done. Like, it's done. Is there any more coming? Do you know? Is there another season? It's... I believe there's one, at least one more season coming already, okay. already ready to go. Okay, good. I will I will feel a little bit better. But Taika Waititi is just, what a legend. What an absolute legion, as he would say, legion. So I continued as well watching Sex Lives of College Girls. It dropped season two. The show. Correct. Again, let me clarify, as I did the first time, the show titled Sex Lives of College Girls, the Mindy Kaling um, created and produced uh, show on HBO Max. It's uh, it's great. Um, my wife loves it. I, I love it as much as her. I, I, I think it's very funny, again, from a kind of female feminist perspective of you don't always get of the college experience. And it reminds me how old I am and how different it is from my college experience. But it's great. They, they did a good job in season to I think the first five episodes is what we watched. Um, not sure exactly how many are out so far, but um, it was great. And then we also went back from the beginning and started rewatching Atlanta. Finished the first season of that, and it just it holds up so incredibly well. Like it's just such a good, good, good show that does crazy surreal things. Like from the jump, they quickly you know zig where a lot of shows would zag and and just reminded until I watched this most recent season um, why it's one of the most creative, innovative, and interesting shows made in the past decade or two. It's it's just phenomenal TV, Atlanta. So, so good. Sad to see it go, but I'm glad it decided... Uh, glad they closed it out um, before it fizzled out, I think is the right way to say that. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Tuesday in our weekly Tuesday show spot. We'll have uh, some basketball and all of that fun stuff for you. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time. Hook him. Hook him. Gerald, you win the award for the Louis Armstrong Handsomest Raspy Voice.